in the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Sri Krishna. teaches Mamai Vamso Jiva Duke Jiva Bhuta Sanatana Manashastan Indriyani Prakriti Stani Karasiti That all living beings or jivas are my fragmental parts and parcels they are in me and they are mine but due to conditioned life they are struggling very hard in this material existence in a very scientific manner Krishna breaks down the elements of this material creation Bhumir apo nalo vayu kamano budra evacha ahankara ithiyame bhina prakritir ashtata that the gross elements that comprise everything that our senses can perceive are earth which could be smelled water which can be tasted fire which can be seen air which can be felt and ether which carries sound which could be heard earth water fire air and ether these are the gross elements that are the basic composition of all physical bodies whether it be a human being an animal a fish a tree a vegetable but there are three subtle elements which can never be seen by the gross senses and that is the mind the intelligence and ahankar the false ego but Krishna explains that all eight of these gross and subtle elements are dead they have no life in and of themselves there's no consciousness and there's no animation then he begins to explain the secret of life Apareyam itashtvannam prakritim vidimeparam jiva bhuta mahabhaho he says that beyond these eight gross and subtle material elements there is a spiritual element which is the jivatma the soul and it is the soul that gives consciousness to all physical bodies and minds in this world it is the conscious force the animator and the witness of everything that exists now how is it that the soul becomes entrapped due to ignorance in these in the illusory designation that I am this body and I am this mind this is the greatest mystery that must be solved in this life after all 
whatever type of body we have, whether we be an elephant or a redwood tree in California, which lives 5,000 years old, sometimes up to 7,000 years old, or whether we be a human being or an insignificant ant. There are four characteristics which are common in all physical bodies in this world, Krishna explains. Janma mrityu jara vyadi. Birth, old age, disease, and death. Dukalam, ashvatam. And therefore, because we are plagued by these four conditions, we have to suffer. Napnavanti mahatmana, sam sadim paramam Krishna says that a wise man understands that this material world is dhukalaya mashashvatam. It's a place of great suffering because everything culminates in old age, disease, and death. But Krishna explains apareyam itashtvanyam makprakritim vidimeparam that the jivatma, the soul, is eternal. It is not in any way, shape, or form subjected to birth, old age, disease, and death. So it is the entanglement of this illusion, of false identification, that is the one and only real problem in this world. And all other problems are due to this ignorance. If you cut a weed from its root, it cannot grow back. But if you just cut, keep cutting the weed, not only does it grow back, but it plants other seeds and more weeds grow. So material civilization is trying to solve the problems of this weed by cutting the weed. And the more you cut it, the stronger it comes back. Therefore, Krishna explains in the Gita, the transcendental knowledge means to root out the source of all problem through knowledge. You see, the Paramatma, Bhagavan, the Supreme Absolute Truth, is the cause of all causes, like the brilliant sun in the sky. And all living beings are emanating from him like the sunshine. In this way, qualitatively, we are all one with God. But quantitatively, we are infinitesimal parts and parcel. And the, it is described in the Shastra that there are three energies. There is the supreme spiritual energy, which is God. There is the material energy, or Maya. And there is Tatashta Shakti. Tatashta Shakti means the soul, the jivatma. The jivatma is, tatashta means between, in the middle. Tata in Sanskrit means that place right in between, in the middle. Just like the example is given in the ocean. That line between where the water is and the land is. That is tata. That is the marginal portion. And we are like that. We are in between the material energy of Maya and the spiritual energy of Krishna. And our choice, our independence, 
which is given by God eternally is to choose to surrender to one or the other. And due to our conditionings in this material existence, we are constantly being influenced to surrender to Maya. Who you choose to be with, what you choose to do, is what will reflect your consciousness. We are extremely easily influenced. When we, are in, when we are in the association of this grand phenomena of material illusions, we become completely illusioned. But when we put ourselves under the influence of the association of the spiritual energy, then this natural condition, the Sanatan Dharma within us, our innate nature to love God, to serve God, to surrender in devotion to God becomes the manifestation of our complete consciousness. Therefore, devotees associate with sadhus, sadhu sangha. Devotees hear the glorious words of the scriptures, the Vedas, and devotees chant the holy names. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. The chanting of the holy names, the hearing of the Shastra, the association of devotees, puts us under that influence where the natural condition of our heart, which is pure spiritual energy, Satchit Ananda, which is filled with love, Jivera Swaropoi Krishna it becomes our natural state of life. The soul in its independence, in its relationship with Krishna, is very unique because Krishna rewards or reveals himself exactly according to our approach to him. Krishna says, as you approach me, I reward you accordingly. And in truth, Krishna says, I am in everything and everything is in me. So however we approach anything in this world is how Krishna is going to reveal himself. How we approach our father, our mother, our husband or our wife, our child, how we approach our house or our automobile or our friends, how we approach the sky, the sun, the moon. Krishna's in everything and everything's in Krishna. And he's aware, observing us in every circumstance. This is something we don't like to think about. There is no such thing as privacy. The whole idea of privacy is a grand illusion. Because Krishna is watching on every side. He's watching from within your heart. He's watching in through the eye, he says, the sun and the moon are my two eyes. 
He's also in and between every atom. Can you escape his glance? Can you escape his ears? He hears everything you say. He sees everything you do. He tastes everything you eat. All of your senses and every action is witnessed by Krishna. And how you approach him, he reveals himself. When Krishna was in Mathura, he showed like this. You know, after he broke the bow of Kamsa. Kamsa had so many grand plans to kill Krishna. And, of course, he was very confident because he was <clears throat> he was intoxicated by power and wealth. He had conquered his father and taken his kingdom. Just see how terribly degraded the spirit soul can become. Inconceivable. Here is a pure soul which is by nature eternal, full of knowledge and full of bliss, by nature full of compassion and love, by nature a, a, a divine lover of every living being. But when the soul comes under the clutches of material conditioning, how degraded! Kamsa, rather than seeing in a loving spirit how everything belongs to God, let me just offer everything for his pleasure. Bhoktaram jagatapasam sarva loka maheshwaram suhridam sarva bhutanam gyatvamam shantim richchati That everything is the property of God and if you simply use everything for his enjoyment and recognize him as your best friend you will be peaceful. And if you do not follow this formula there is no possibility of peace whatever you do. But the spirit soul under the influence of Maya wants to lord it over material nature. Janasya mohoya maham That I am this body and everything in relationship to this body is mine. And I want more and more and more and there's never an end to the insatiable thirst for more. So Kamsa was like this. When he was a young boy, he was growing up. Little by little, he was attaining more power, more knowledge. He worked very hard. He was a mystic yogi. Through his great penances and austerities and great struggles, he became very, very learned and he became more powerful than 10,000 elephants. And little by little, he was usurping more and more and more for his own sense enjoyment until he became so wicked and so cruel due to this intoxication that I am the controller and I am the enjoyer that he took his own father and cast him into prison and threatened to murder him. And he took his own sister, took her by the hair and when he was, was about to take her head from her trunk with his smitey sword. But as a concession, he threw them in a jail cell. And when he heard through the prophecy that Krishna, Narayan, was born somewhere, 
he ordered that all baby children should be murdered. Can you imagine the pure spirit soul part of God could become so degraded? Everyone that is in this world is to some extent degraded due to forgetfulness of our relationship. But how to the extent it can become degraded? So he had this wonderful plan to kill Krishna. Because he was told by Narada Muni just before that that son of Devaki and Vasudev who is supposed to kill you, it's Krishna. He's the one that's killed all of the asuras that you've sent to Gokul, Brajabhumi. If you don't kill him fast, he is going to kill you. After hearing that, comes the sent Akrura. Akrura brought Krishna back to Matra. Then there was the bow ceremony. Krishna broke the bow. Kamsa was becoming very worried. So he invited Krishna to fight with two great wrestlers, Chanura and Mustika. At the time, Krishna was only twelve and a half years old. He was just a small child. And his limbs were very tender and very soft. And these wrestlers were built like huge mountains. Their arms were like thunderbolts. But Kamsa didn't want to take any chances. He had the most vicious king of all elephants in all the world waiting outside the gate to welcome Krishna to the wrestling match. His name was Kuvalaya Pida. And when Krishna came, this demoniac elephant trainer with his goad ordered Kuvaliyapita to attack Krishna and murder him. And the elephant, raging with anger, charged at Krishna. And he took Krishna with his trunk and was about to dash him against the ground, but Krishna very dexterously slipped out of his trunk and ran between his legs. And then he couldn't see him. And he was very confused, so he took his trunk putting it between his legs and he caught Krishna again and he was thinking ah now I have him now he's dead and just at the moment when he was about to dash him again Krishna slipped away and ran around to the other side and he looked at him and they looked at each other face to face and at this time Kuvaliyapita again took him with his trunk and Krishna slipped away and he went between his legs and he started going around him and through his legs in all different directions and Kuvaliyapita was going round and around trying to catch him but he couldn't catch Krishna. He was becoming frustrated. He was becoming so angry. He was furious. He was roaring. And meanwhile, all the elephant traders were, trainers were pushing and, 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 and shouting and stabbing him. Kill him, kill him, kill him. And with all this pressure, in his total, total frustration that he couldn't even find his enemy, he was just mad with anger. And alas, Krishna appeared right before him again. And he took his mighty tusks 
and charged at Krishna to stab him, but Krishna just moved at the last second and his tusks went into the ground. He was more angry than ever. When he came out, Krishna looked at him right in the eyes and took his beautiful soft lotus hand and slapped him in the face just to humiliate him. And then after slapping him in the face, he pushed him to the ground. Then Krishna jumped up upon his mighty mountainous body and he pulled out his trunk and with that trunk he killed the elephant Kuvaliyapita, not trunk, tusk. He pulled out the tusk and with that tusk he stabbed the elephant Kuvaliyapita and stabbed all the elephant trainers and they were all dead. And then Krishna gave one tusk to Balaram and took the other. And after this nice fight, with their tusks over their shoulders, they gracefully marched into the wrestling arena, smiling. And it is described that Krishna's beautiful forehead was decorated with perspiration. And this made him even more beautiful than ever, as it was shining, glistening. And when Kamsa saw him, he realized that death has come. Kamsa saw Krishna as cruel death. Vasudeva and Devaki, when they saw Krishna, they saw him as the most beautiful, charming son. Devaki, although she was an elderly woman, her, all of her maternal affection just began to just overwhelmingly grow uncontrollably. And Vasudeva, his eyes were just filled with tears that this is my beloved son. And the friends of Krishna, the gopas who were also present, they saw him simply as the most playful friend. And the young ladies of Mathura, they saw him as the most amorous, most handsome, most beautiful form they have ever seen. They saw him as Cupid personified. And the men of Mathura, they saw him as the most distinguished, well-built, handsome man. And the yogis who were present, they saw him as the very Paramatma, the Lord of the heart that they're striving to see throughout their lives, the realization. And Chanura and Mustika, the two great wrestlers, they saw Krishna and Balaram as two powerful personalities stronger than thunderbolts. Everyone saw the same form in a completely different way. Why is this? 
because Krishna reveals himself exactly according to how you approach him in your consciousness. If you want to lord it over material nature, this material nature is Krishna's energy. He is in and between every atom of this material creation. If you want to see that this flower is for my sense enjoyment, I will enjoy it, then Krishna will just Naham prakashya saravasya yoga maya samavrita mudho yam nabhijanati lokam yam. Krishna says, I will simply cover you over with the curtain of maya. You will not see me, although I'm right there. You will simply see something to enjoy. If you have, if you have some allergy when you see the flower, you won't see it as something to enjoy. You'll see it as your worst enemy. Get it out of here. Huh? Even the things of this world, according to your consciousness, you see everything. But a devotee sees the flower and thinks, ah, this is Krishna's energy. This is the very energy of Sri Radharani, the pleasure potency of the Lord. Let me offer it to Krishna. Let me offer it to his devotee. In this way, we're seeing Krishna. This flower is awakening our love for Krishna. Krishna says in the Gita, For he who sees me everywhere and everything in me, for him I am never lost, nor is he ever lost to me. Krishna consciousness is just a matter of vision, learning how to be aware of Krishna. In fact, it means learning to see things as they are, to stop seeing the illusions. Our desire to independently enjoy the resources of material nature, that desire is like a cataract that covers our vision from seeing anything in its true light. Therefore, how to see? We must remove this cataract. And if you want to remove a cataract from your eye, you cannot do it yourself. Has anyone ever been successful in doing it themselves? Even if you are the greatest cataract surgeon, you cannot do it yourself. And it's more difficult for anyone to do it themselves in regard to removing the illusory covering that is cataracting our spiritual vision. We must go to an authorized sadhu, a guru, spiritual master. And the bona fide spiritual master, he uses the surgical instrument of the holy name to remove this diseased covering of material attachment from our heart. Therefore, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explained, who is Guru? One who inspires you to chant the holy names. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. One devotee asked Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, how do I know who is a Vaishnava? He said, when you see him, you begin to chant 
हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे देर आर मेनी नेम्स ऑफ गॉड श्री चैतन्य महाप्रभु हरे कृष्ण महामंत्र श्री बलवाचार्य श्री कृष्ण शरण देर आर मेनी ग्रेट मंत्रस विच कॉल अपन द लॉर्ड होली नेम फॉर द प्योरिफिकेशन ऑफ द हार्ट हरे कृष्णा is the mantra called maha mantra which is calling upon the lord to kindly engage us in his loving service and of course this is very important the surgical instrument that is not being utilized by the capable surgeon will not be of much value so similarly if we do not learn how to chant the holy name of the lord from the compassionate loving sadhu the spiritual master then it will not have the true effect there is an example that when you are at war you fight the enemy with bullets <laughs> like these diwali celebrations terrible headaches that i sorry i'm not in the spirit of your celebrations here in india but it sounds like world war 2 world war 3 i mean everyone in the world is trying to avoid world war 3 and they're tr- just making the sounds like they ready to enjoy a third world war bombs huh people blowing their hands off getting all sorts of asthma due to all those terrible smoke pollution huh this is how they celebrate by contaminating the atmosphere with violent sounds huh anyways when you're in war you have to shoot with bullets now there's two types of bullets there's the bullets that really are affection effectual the maha mantra are like the bullets that destroy the enemy of illusion within our hearts when we chant hare krishna hare krishna 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 hari 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 ram hari ram 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 hari hari we are just shooting bombs kirtan is like dropping bombs bomb bullets and japa's like machine gun hare krishna hare krishna krishna hare 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 ram hare ram ram and what are these bullets they're destroying the enemy of illusion or maya from within our hearts but it is described by the acharyas that if the maha mantra is not if you are not trained by a bona fide spiritual master to chant it and if you do not receive that mantra from a bona fide spiritual master it's like blanks do you know what blanks are blanks are bullets that make sound but there's no bullet in it nothing comes out of it it just goes <laughs> like in the movies you've seen the the movies they don't use real bullets everyone would be dead they use blanks <laughs> and the man pretends to die but it just makes the sound but there's nothing to it 
the Acharyas explain that chanting the holy name without receiving it from Guru and being trained to chant it from Guru, it sounds like the holy name, but it has no effect to purify us from the enemy of Maya. By chanting the holy name of Krishna properly, no illicit sex, no intoxication, no gambling, no meat-eating, by developing a humble service attitude and chanting in that spirit under the direction of the devotees of the Lord, what happens is this illusion of the misconception that I am this body is removed and the true glory of our natural awareness that I am part of God, I am spiritual, I am eternal, is awakened. And in that consciousness, we want to see Krishna everywhere. We want to use everything for Krishna. And therefore, everywhere we look, we simply experience Krishna's love. In everything, everywhere. And that is the perfection of life. That, is, that state of consciousness is the ultimate wealth. And if you do not have that state of consciousness, you are poverty-stricken. I was once in Vrindavan and I was talking to one very good sadhu. And, and somebody was introducing a very, very big rich man to him. And trying to give this person such a flattering introduction said to the sadhu, oh, he is like this and like this. And he was making, talking about all his money and all of his power and all of his position. And the person just looked and said, if you are not fully Krishna conscious, you are nothing but a poor beggar. You are poverty stricken. He said, all I have is my begging bowl and my japa beads and I don't need anything else because I have Krishna. You have all these things and you still need so much more. <laughs> this is real wealth. This is the true wealth. For one who sees me everywhere and everything in me, for him I am never lost nor is he ever lost to me. Krishna says in Gita, Bhaktyatvananya Shakya Aham Evam Vidvarjuna Gyatam Drastam Jatapvena Praveshtam Chaparantapa. By undivided devotion to me, I reveal myself as I am, everywhere and in everything. And whether we are big, big businessmen or whether we are just simple housewives or whether we are little children, Krishna doesn't care. Krishna only sees the state of our heart. If we want to see him everywhere, if we want to serve him in everything, if we want to love him, he will reciprocate with that love through every element of this material creation. And most of all, from the core of our hearts. Thank you very much. Is there any questions? We are very happy to see all of you again tonight.
There's no more questions. Mahaprabhu never fails. Yes. Just what you're doing right now is what you should do. By associating regularly with devotees of the Lord, coming together to hear of the higher goals and pursuits of spiritual life, chant the holy name congregationally, remember Krishna. This is the foodstuff that nourishes our consciousness. And that foodstuff gives us the strength which allows us to be aware of Krishna throughout all of our life in everything we do. Anyone can change their dress. Anyone can change their profile. But what Krishna wants to see is a change of heart. We are sitting in this nice room. So many times we have come to this nice room to regularly bring people to this room that God has provided to reciprocate with the Lord who is the giver by glorifying his name, by glorifying his attributes, by recognizing his mercy. This is what we should do in our life. And through this process, naturally, we will be reciprocating with God everywhere and in every situation. That is the goal of life. Make Krishna first. Whose family is it? It's not my family, it's Krishna's family. <clears throat> Whose house is this? It's not my house, it's Krishna's house. Sarva Loka Maheshwaram, Krishna says, everything is my property. It's not my body, it's Krishna's body. It's not my children, it's Krishna's children. It's not my husband or wife, it's Krishna's. It's not my wealth, it's Krishna's. To the extent you think it's yours, to that extent you are bound by the sufferings of birth, old age, disease, and death. To the extent you recognize the fact that it is Krishna's and use it according to the will of Krishna, to that extent you will be liberated. Liberated in a state of love, devotion, 
a simple, practical life. Simply recognize things as they are. Krishna's. Is there any other questions? Gita Krishna explains yato yato nischalati manas chanchalamastaram that whenever and wherever the mind wanders due to its flickering and unsteady nature one must bring it back. If you follow that instruction then you will become purified very quickly by your chanting. But if you simply allow it to go wherever it wants your mind then the purification is minimal if anything. But if you are striving to follow that direction of bringing the mind back to the holy name from wherever and whenever it goes, Krishna doesn't see so much your attention, he sees your endeavor. He sees how you have no real power to determine the result of how attentive you can be. All you have the power to do is try your level best to be attentive because it is Krishna's desire and it is Guru's instruction. And if you are simply trying your best, Krishna says, I preserve what you have and carry what you lack if you surrender to my instructions. Hmm? Timing. Uh, you see, you see, part of trying very hard is to arrange your chanting so that you can be the most attentive. Krishna sees your endeavor. If you're in, a, if you decide, I'm going to chant my rounds in a train every morning, and you try to be attentive there. Krishna is not going to take you very serious that you want to be attentive at all. If he sees that you really want to be attentive, then you'll, you'll organize your day in such a way that the most important part or time of the day when you can be the most concentrative, that's when you chant. That is the best time. Early in the morning, the whole atmosphere is in its purest state because everyone is sleeping. There's not so many cars, there's not so many machines, people are not running around passionately looking for money. The really, the really, really terrible people in the mode of ignorance, they're just going to sleep. And the real passion, the people in the mode of ignorance have just gone to sleep and the people in the mode of passion haven't woken up yet. Huh? It's the best time of the day. Brahma Mahorta means one and a half hours before sunrise. That is the time when the atmosphere is most surcharged with that facility for spiritual advancement and concentration. 
So if we're really serious, we'll actually um, organize our whole day in such a way that we can purify our hearts and at the same time take care of everything we do with that purified hearts. Yes, timing is very important. In everything in life, timing is important. What to speak of the most important thing? Everything that has any value in life, timing is very important. In business, is timing important? It's essential. It will make you or break you. In school, is timing important? In everything. And in spiritual life, we have to make our priorities and give the best times to Krishna. Yes. Why is it so that the double standards today, a spiritual person, if he goes to his own day to day life, King of our temple in Chopati? Oh. Similarly, a person from materialistic life, he wants to come in, he can chant Hare Krishna and go back and do what he wants. He won't find it early. Why is that? Then we are at a disadvantage sometimes. <laughs> Why would you want to go to one of those crazy parties? But if you stay, staying in a materialistic life, sometimes you have to go. Why? Why do you want to continue such circles? But that would be running away from your day-to-day life. Depends what you want your day-to-day life to be. It, what it is, is running away from God. Going to those places is running away from your spiritual life. It's running away from the goal of life. It's running away from your first and foremost duty as a human being. Atato Brahma Jigyasa, which is self-realization. You have to choose what you want and you have to follow it. Hmm? You should be very strict. What kind of friends do you want to have? You should have compassionate, loving, devoted friends who are going to help you on the path to God. Not people who are just going to intoxicate you and do all crazy dancing. No, no problem with dancing, dance for Krishna. No problem with drinking, drink prasad. Why should you want to pollute yourself? That's a decision you have to make. Yes, it's easy to come here, but the real value of coming here is to learn, not just to enjoy the program, but to learn what to do in life. Huh? You can have a family, you can have a job, but make Krishna the center. Otherwise, you'll simply regret it. Every moment of human life is so precious. Do you know what a waste it is? What are you going to get out of going to these so-called parties? What is the result? 
some popularity. How long will that last? With such people, such popularity, you do one thing wrong and they'll turn against you. Huh? And if you do something really right, which is tell them about Krishna, they'll probably turn against you more. Huh? Is that what you want? You want to dedicate your life to that society? Wherever you are, you should be proud of your relationship with God. You should be proud that I am here to glorify God. I am proud to see everything, how I can use it for Krishna. Proud to chant His holy name. Huh? And you should choose that social life where you can have that complete freedom to be proud of what's really meaningful you, for, to you in life. Hmm? It's a big step to make, but you won't regret it. But if you don't make that step, you will regret it. Everyone in this room has made it. Most everybody. Rishikesh Mafadlal is a big businessman. You don't think he's invited to those crazy, crazy parties? Huh? He wouldn't bring his wife to those such shameless society. It's a disgrace to the dignity of, 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 of his life, his wife, and his vows. And you think his business is suffering? No, people respect him. They know he's honorable. If you went to those crazy parties, even the people who are with you would know you're just like them. You're dishonorable. <laughs> They'll respect you more if you don't. Huh? There's parties like this going on every night. <laughs> They're free. And people love you. They're not trying to use you. You want to get intoxicated? Be intoxicated with Krishna. Intoxicated with the holy name. You want to dance? We also dance for Krishna. Everything that's in a party is in, is in Krishna conscious society. Nice food, prasad. Nice drinks, Charanamrit and all sorts of other nice drinks. Nice dancing. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught us such beautiful, graceful dancing. Nice music. The holy name, Kirtan. Nice company. Wonderful, loving devotees. I want to inspire you. What else is in these parties? Anything else? I have. I don't remember. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> huh. but that's good. There's a there's a very famous old time voting campaign meth technique it's used all the time that the majority is you 
That's what the politicians say. That the majority is you. It's a fact. If you have that conviction and determination within your life, you're the majority. And if you want to look at it from a deeper, more broad, broad perspective, Krishna is the majority. Huh? In our little circle of society, it may appear that those who are in great illusion are the majority. But what do we want to live for? Simply to be accepted by the majority? Or to please God and give the best possible thing that we can to our family, to our loved ones, and to our own life? Which one? What do you say? going out to do your work you will not be distracted providing if you choose in your free social life to associate with good and pious and spiritual minded people if you do that and have a strong spiritual foundation in your life by chanting the holy name by strictly following these principles by coming and associating in your free time with devoted people, then when you go out into the world to perform your responsibilities, you will be like a lotus flower that is untouched by the mud of the water around it. Hmm? The question is, do you want to be a lotus flower? Or do you want to just be a dirty weed floating around in that muddy water? Huh? <laughs> that is our choice in life. So, for the pleasure of all the beautiful lotus flowers in this room tonight, this is like a whole garden of lotus flowers. Let us just chant for a few minutes. <laughs> 